I was an 18-year-old film student when I met the master of special effects to make this documentary about his life and work. Now, 30 years on, I will reveal Hollywood's greatest untold story of movie magic. Now, for the first time, the secrets have been unearthed for those unmade films. Missing scenes from the films you love, stunning artworks, models and test footage, all revealing new worlds, epic lands and fearsome creatures that, until now, had thought to have been lost for all time. Harryhausen, The Lost Movies. Hello and welcome back. Welcome to part two of our celebration of Ray Harryhausen's Lost Movies. Uh, this is part two of our bumper episode which uh, celebrates the launch of new Titan Books publication, Harryhausen, The Lost Movies by John Walsh and in this episode we'll have further interviews from some of the many contributors to this uh, incredible new book which is due for release on September the 10th. So listen in, we start the episode with a chat with our conservator Alan Friswell. One of the most important contributors for your book and for all of our projects here at the Foundation is our conservator Alan Friswell because as well as being a genius who can restore Ray's models and uh, bring these iconic creations back to life he's also uh, a mine of information in his own right he uh, he he spent hours chatting with Ray Harryhausen and uh, discussing almost every aspect of of his filmmaking process including of course the uh, the lost movies so we, we chatted to Alan about uh, about Ray Harryhausen's Lost Movies and about one project in particular which uh, which Ray had shown interest in in the early 1970s. Uh, let's hear what Alan had to say about Ray's version of Conan. What did you think, Alan, when you first heard that we were doing this book? I thought it was a great idea because something of that sort is... Anything to do with Ray is interesting to those who are fascinated by his films and by his work but obviously of great interest is something which has an original take something which we hasn't been done before so a project that deals with the speculation as to what might have been and the films we may have seen obviously that carries a great deal of interest because while you're reading about this this project you can use your own imagination to try to figure out how how Ray might have done this and obviously in putting together all the information that you have is kind of like a detective story trying to uh, imagine trying to formulate the kind of ideas that Ray might have had and just the kind of imagery that might have come to the screen had he actually made some of these films. You're right, you know, some I found on bits of scraps of paper and I say I found, of course, I did this with a great deal of help and support from our collections manager, Connor Heaney and between yourself and Connor, um, Alan, you, you've actually now seen, if you like, the final version of the book that's uh, off to the printers. Um, what, what did you both think when you when you saw it? Uh, personally, I, I thought it was great. It's it's original, which is, in, in, you know, so many things about Ray now, so many bits of information, so many books, all these magazines. So stuff that's original that actually comes over as being fresh is automatically significant because you're reading stuff that you haven't seen before. Uh, it's so easy to, when you're writing about someone like Ray, is to repeat what's been already put into print and what people have read. And there is a danger of becoming not stale, but kind of too familiar. But so a book of this sort, which comes out of information and reveals ideas and projects and concepts that no one, or very few people, have ever heard of before, uh, is a great idea. And it's been put, I think the layout is wonderful, the writing is terrific. Uh, I think it could be a, be a great book. 
Yeah, I agree with uh, I agree with Alan there. I think uh, probably most of Ray's fans will be familiar with one or two of these projects, such as his his War of the Worlds idea or uh, Force of the Trojans, for example, the uh, the unfilmed follow up to Clash of the Titans. But the sheer volume and variety of uh, of different unfilmed projects throughout the book, I think, is what will uh, interest most people. I think as well as as well as that, it's fascinating to get this peek behind the curtain and see just how far along the line that some of these projects came. Um, ideas like Simbad Goes to Mars. Um, some people may have heard the, the title, but they won't be aware that uh, artwork was created for it, that there was so much correspondence and hard work uh, relating to the, the idea of a fourth Sinbad film, which just never quite made it off the ground. And, and that's the kind of thing which, uh, which your book goes into some detail about, about the about the behind the scenes, why these films, um, you know, where their where their ideas were generated from, and why they perhaps didn't get quite off the ground, including uh, from the horse's mouth, people who were were involved with Ray um, during the uh, the sweatbox sessions, I guess, during the making of these uh, these films and these artworks. Yeah, I think that was key. You know, it was. I think as a, as a writer and a filmmaker, I know that external contributors really help bring the past alive. So regardless of what films I've been making in the past, you always try and recreate those situations and reconstruct those environments as close as possible. So if viewers are trying to experience something, a story from the past, it's more than just a sort of a show and tell. Uh, So I was very lucky and fortunate to have so many contributors. And we found artwork and, of course, lots of other material that way. But um, I think the key thing to this book, and you touched on it yourself, Alan, are the if you like, the stories straight from the horse's mouth. And, you know, there's a sort of, uh, I'm looking at the layout now, there's like a, a, a three-page layouts for Ray's version of Conan. So in the case of Conan, Alan, there's three pages in the book and almost those pages wouldn't exist at all had it not been for your your experience with Ray and talking to him about the uh, the work of uh, the artists involved. What can you tell us about that without giving too much away for people who want to buy the book? Well, the Conan project, uh, such as it might have been, was uh, just after the release of Valley of Guanji. And it was basically Ray wanted to get away from dinosaurs anyway because he'd made two films with Wumbling Years BC and Guanji, back-to-back as it was. And uh, he wanted to do something different. And so... It basically came almost certainly through Forry Ackerman because the Conan paperbacks had been published by Lancer Publications in the late 1960s with incredible covers by Frank Rosetta who's become famous now as kind of like perhaps the, the main sort of Conan artist or at least the, the person who brought Conan into the, the, the modern age, if you like, after the 1930s. Uh, Ray was a fan of the Conan stories because he'd read them originally in Weird Tales when he was a teenager. And um, through... For various reasons, I don't know if you want me to go into it now or if you want to keep it for the book, but uh, it didn't happen. But there were good reasons, really, why. And uh, it's a shame because a Conan film made by Ray would have been incredible. To have seen it put brought to the screen as it was written by Robert E. Howard uh, would have been an incredible piece of work. It would have been a wonderful film, I, I suspect. And uh, if that's all you want me to say about it, I'll, I'll leave the rest to uh, for people to find out in the book. No, that's that's perfect. And the, and the interesting thing is when you think about how Ray was backing the right horse in terms of next projects, you know, there's Conan, there's a few other films in there that went on to be made by other filmmakers. And Ray was right. And even with Sinbad Goes to Mars, there's a, there's an equivalent film that did come out in the 1990s we talk about in the book that uses a very similar narrative uh, device to get Sinbad to Mars. So Ray was on the money, wasn't he? You know, with so many of the projects that were unmade, you kind of think, oh, but he was on the cusp of that that, that genre change. He, he wanted to make um, a remake of The Deluge, which would have been a classic disaster film in the early 70s. And Michael Carreras, who was head of Hammer Films at the time, was like, mm, I'm not sure if the disaster genre is coming back. Of course, the disaster genre dominated the 70s. Towering Inferno, Poseidon Adventure, Hindenburg. Earthquake. Earthquake. One the of earthquake, my favourites. Earthquake was spe- spectacular. And Meteor, <laughs> the late 70s, which nobody likes except me, it seemed. 
Um, but Ray was right, wasn't he? He was right on the money with that and with so many other films, including War of the Worlds and, and Time Machine and so on. Um, were there many surprises for you, Alan? Because, of course, you know the Ray Harryhausen story well. You know Ray very well. And, you know, you're you're more than... You know, you're more than just a fanboy. Of course, you're an expert in the in the foundation. So, with your expert's eyes on, were you were your eyebrows raised at uh, at many of the entries? A few times, because you managed to come up with some amazing stuff. Uh, you know, we're always ready to learn. We're always ready to be surprised by things. And I, there were quite a few things in there that I didn't know about. Um, obviously, Ray was very, uh, should we say, eclectic, and he's choice of subjects he, he as you say he was he was kind of before his time if only he'd perhaps had the like someone like George Lucas earlier on in his career like with a lot of money uh, and someone with that kind of foresight I'm sure I'm sure that Charles Chenier perhaps saw value in many of the things that Ray wanted to do but they were fixed into a certain kind of budget a certain type of scheduling with the studios they were dealing with and so many of those projects were just kind of financially out of reach but uh, yeah, there are several things in there that I, I didn't know existed. And I think so if, if people like myself who kind of, do, you know, we, we know a little bit about Ray and, and his, his, his work, uh, if we can be surprised, then I'm sure the, <laughs> the fans and the public will love this book all the more. Well, a big thank you, Alan, from me and the Foundation to you for, for helping with the book and helping put it together and also for having a quick look through it more than once for me, um, along with you, Connor, as well. Thank you for giving up your time because it's a, it's a big book. <laughs> There's a lot of pages and it did need some uh, external eyes because... Uh, there's, there's always a few areas where you can improve and it's you know with publishing deadlines you want to make sure that you're giving the very best because it's representing uh, Ray's legacy. Well it's my pleasure to look at it um, I'm certainly looking forward to actually holding a copy in my hands and uh, it was it was delightful to, uh, to, to see the, the, the book as early, in that early stage and thank you for letting me see it. Now without Alan Friswell's contribution, the segment on Conan, which had no artwork, only the the books that Ray had in his own personal library, would have been just a bare few lines. It's lucky for us, and and, uh, lucky for for people buying the book, that um, Alan was able to share with me that uh, conversation he had with Ray. Now, Alan is a a particular um, enthusiast for those novels and the artwork of uh, Frank Rosetta, it's marvellous, you know, and it's it's interesting. I, I recently wrote an article for the Daily Telegraph and they wanted me to imagine if Ray had made those films and the difference it would have made to the cinematic timeline. Well, had Ray made Conan at the time, he would have been the first filmmaker to have brought together ultra-violence and sword and sandal. You know, sword and sandal are, 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 is, is a term that Hollywood used to describe a certain genre and that's whether it's... Charlton Heston as Ben-Hur or Victor Mature doing what he does in films like Hercules. Um, it didn't happen because nobody thought there would be a market for it because they thought it'd be a juvenile market, but the certification would be too high for ultraviolence. And of course, in the early 80s, John Milius did it very successfully with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Conan the Barbarian. Still a great film. It works very well. But that line of ultraviolence and sword and sandal or sword and sorcery, you can trace all the way through to the HBO series Game of Thrones. So Ray, had he followed his instincts, his gut instincts would have kick-started a new genre there. And had he uh, did what he wanted to do with Michael Carreras at Hammer Films in the late 60s, he would have revived the disaster genre ahead of its actual revival by Irwin Allen in the early 70s. So, you know, it wasn't simply the case was Ray was always looking to pitch things he really had a sense of the markets Connor didn't he he knew what trends were coming and and what was going to work yeah I think that's a a common theme which we see throughout uh, throughout your book is that Ray always had his um, he always had this idea of of what would work and uh, as far back as as the 1950s I think in the early 1950s when when Ray was first putting his uh, ideas together for Sinbad he was told that no 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 these these films aren't popular you know this wouldn't be a success. People don't want uh, sword and sandals films or Arabian Nights films, uh, and of course the uh, the seventh voyage of Sinbad proved all of those people wrong. And it's something that that keeps uh, popping up again and again in your book is uh, Ray having a certain amount of foresight, um, and these projects really at times being five or ten years ahead of the the rest of the pack. 
Now, this is a, a rather interesting... Um, so, the tortoise and the hare was one of Ray's fairy tales that went uncompleted until the year 2002. Now, you caught up with the two very innovative filmmakers, didn't you, Connor, about um, their story of bringing Ray's film back to the uh, back to the small and big screen? Yes, I was uh, I was lucky, very very lucky, to to be shown around the studio of of screen novelties when I was in Los Angeles last year with Vanessa Harryhausen and um, Mark Caballero and Seamus Walsh were, were kind enough to meet us there and show us around. Lovely guys, it was probably the highlight of the trip to be honest, they were they were just uh, fantastic hosts and showed us all around their incredible stop motion studio. They were working on a, a top secret project at the time which was really wonderful to see uh, and after our tour we sat down and, and had a chat and spoke about uh, the story of the tortoise and the hare. Um, as well as that, I asked them about uh, some of Ray's other lost movies, and I, I wanted to know what they thought it was that they offered Ray Harryhausen that uh, persuaded him to, to accept their offer of um, completing The Tortoise and the Hare. So many people approached Ray over, over the years uh, and tried to coax him out of retirement by uh, by inviting him to work on their projects, and, and Ray would usually politely decline. Uh, but there was something about uh, these two young stop-motion animators from Los Angeles that, you know, they, he thought they had an interesting concept. And uh, let us listen now to a little bit about the story of the tortoise and the hare and how that film eventually came to be completed some 50 years after its initial conception. I'm in Los Angeles with trustee Vanessa Harryhausen and friend of the foundation Tammy Hamalian and we've just had a wonderful tour of the Screen Novelties Workshop with animators Mark Cavallero and Seamus Walsh and Mark and Seamus have a very very special connection to Ray Harryhausen's work when they helped to complete The Tortoise and the Hare in 2003. Mark and Seamus can you tell us a little bit about your work with Ray and and all of these great anecdotes behind the project. <laughs> well, um, I mean, needless to say, we've always been fans. And um, when Seamus and I met, we immediately started talking about stop motion animation because we both had a fondness for it. And um, talking about historical things and everything, um, Ray, Ray came up pretty quickly and <laughs> Shay had the film fantasy scrapbook and we were kind of thumbing through it and we had seen still images of his fairy tales and we're like we need to see these we need to see these because they weren't readily available at the time and so um, we started we started watching some of those and you know starting our own animation and um, that's when we saw the Richard Schickel documentary right right yeah, because I remember reading about the tortoise and the hare just being sort of mentioned as a little anecdotal footnote in the film fantasy scrapbook. I believe there's a little mention of it. Um, I think he even talks about the final one someday will get completed. Um, but yeah, my it was cool because my dad bought me that book when I was like in fourth or fifth grade. Because <laughs> wow. uh, yeah, my dad was a fan as well, actually. So. Um, I was just lucky that he bought me that book and I would pour over it and I was always kind of obsessed with the fairy tale films because you know they would run the movies on TV but the fairy tales they had only really been seen in schools so I remember being in sixth or seventh grade and just being like where can I see these films because it's like I didn't have a VHS machine or anything um, but even then they weren't available so anyway it's just so funny that we ended up meeting him years later and, and just through asking him about those films because they weren't very widely seen. Um, we kind of got on the subject of the tortoise and the hare there and then, I don't know, off and on. We had just talked about, like, once we had seen some of the footage in, in the Richard Chickle documentary, we thought, we had actually, we had just come back from Ray speaking at the animation festival in Pasadena. Oh, yeah. And we... we we were roommates at the time, making our own little films in the garage, and um, we were watching it with all our friends, and we saw the footage of Torsten Hare, we're like, you know what? And we were so, like, like excited and pumped from from <laughs> watching your, uh, Ray speak, that we were like, we should we should offer to Ray to help out to help in some finish way. that. <laughs> I said, thank but, you. But the thing is, we felt like 
we just at, we just said, hey, if you're go- if you are going to finish that someday, we'll volunteer our time to fix the puppets or do whatever you want, you know, just to help see it happen. But we didn't realize how quite how involved right. <laughs> we would wow. get. We we didn't think he would really hand that much of it off. But you know, he was eighty years old at the time. He didn't want to animate at all himself anymore. He was, actually, he wasn't. Um, he wasn't eighty yet. He had. He had been. He was in his mid seventies. Okay, oh no, 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 so no, I'm sorry, like seventy-seven or something, something like that. Yeah. But it, you know, he didn't want to have to do it all himself. But so it was sort of like it, it went from us sort of saying, "Hey, we'll volunteer to do this and that." Where, but then at one point he says, "I think you guys can handle this," because we had shown him our little shorts and stuff, <laughs> which which weren't the same style wise or anything. But um, he saw enough in it that he felt like we could pull it off, I guess. And then we were like, "Whoa!" We had gotten a hold of Ray through. Um, through two two different people, um, Richard Jones, who had done Aliens, Dragons, Monsters, and Me. We were mm-hmm. friends with him because Seamus used to work at the Kyoto Brothers, and I um, and, they were all and one of the hosts for that was Gary Owens, and I used to record Gary Owens at a recording <laughs> studio that I worked at, and so we each asked Richard and Gary about Ray, and Gary told me, "We'll talk to Richard," and so Richard made an initial phone call. Ray's like, "Oh, maybe," and so we. We typed a little hand-typed letter, just expressing our interest in helping him finish it, and that was pretty much it. And we were trying to be as respectful as we could and everything, and not um, overstep our bounds. Yeah, or anything. yeah, because we always we always see, like just living in LA, you always see people that kind of glom on too quickly and stuff. And so <laughs> we didn't want to be those kind of people, so we just sent him a, a little polite letter, and then didn't think much of it because we thought there's no way. And then a month later, we got the letter. And we're like, ah! like we had it up on the wall. And yeah, we, we need like, to find that. It was like a it. Frank Sinatra poster. When we were like teenage posters, <laughs> we're like spelling down to it because it was it was pretty it's amazing. Like a from Harry Housen. Yeah, and then that was um, so cool. we replied back to him saying, "Okay, great. Uh, we would love to help in any capacity you see fit for us. Um, we had just gotten offered animation jobs at uh, at MTV in New York." And we felt like it was a good opportunity to hone our skills before we jump into this. And Ray thought that was a great idea. And so we flew over to New York for a while. And then he was in town um, about a year later, and we flew back to meet with him at a, at a hotel off of Beverly. And we showed him our, our terrible little films. And, and he <laughs> saw our enthusiasm in it, and he, was very, he seemed very excited about it. He's like, okay, let's do this. And we're like, okay, and then, um, then we told him when our end date was, and we returned back to L.A. But in the meantime, I remember Ray had sent us a letter in New York, and he was going to be in Washington, D.C. Um, for a convention. And so I think you were out of town, so I rented a car and drove down from New York to Washington, D.C. to pick up the, the Cine special. And that was a lot of fun because <laughs> I was there, and we met, we met in the hotel room, and he's like, see that building up there was in the Washington Monument. It was being, it was being restored. So there's all this like scaffolding on. It. He's like, he's like, we're fixing that because of me. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so he handed off the, the camera to us, uh, and then I drove back, and we were just like holding it. We showed some of our friends like, hey, look, 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 and they're like, oh, what is that for? We can't tell, you know, because we swore like an oath not to say anything. And we came back down here, and then that's where we met at uh, Nathan Duran's house to do the final like, you know, handshake and handing off the puppets. Richard drove us and, and um, well at that time Ray was coming out to LA still quite frequently. It seemed like three or four times a year he would yeah. come out. So that was great because it allowed us to sort of like go back, do some work and have him come out and review. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was actually a decent amount of time that he was actually here for all of that process. Right, right. So yeah, we, we had got the puppets, and the first order of business was just to assess how the puppets were and what condition they were. And we brought in Seamus's wife, Robin, because she comes from a puppetry background and a museum restoration and preservation background. Mm-hmm. And um, we all kind of looked at the puppets together. We brought in another friend who, uh, his name is Caesar, who specialized in miniature period costumes as well, and he knows fabrics really well. So. You know, we kind of did some forensics and tried to figure out, you know, the tor- the, the hair's overalls were a little bit too faded, and so we wanted to make sure it matched the footage, and so we had to find the same kind of venom 
that or it was just it was hot. Re, got re-dyed or something like that. Or, yeah, yeah. No, we I think I think there was just some cleaning mm. that was done, and then we had asked Ray all these questions. I keep wanting to say your father, but not a podcast, <laughs> so it's not your father. We kept on asking him all these questions, and we have the le- you probably have the letters like what kind of plants were those that you picked for the trees and what did you use this? and because we wanted to get so close to what he did and he told us that he went to Olvera Street to buy some plants there and then we found out that he also went out to the desert and bought uh, and and just picked creosote leaves and <laughs> branches and stuff that because the, the scale of them were so small mm-hmm. that it, it, it was perfect we, so we would just wow. do that, and we preserved them the same way that he did. We it tried didn't quite to work that way, but yeah, we, we tried to limit ourselves to the technology that mm-hmm. he would have used at the time. You know, even though we did sometimes use some video assist just to make sure cameras didn't get bumped right. and stuff like that. But, but we the, used surface gauges, and and uh, later on we used gloves and stuff. But yeah, that, that's. I mean, I guess we just went into like this whole thing. Hopefully, well, you can edit that down. That's yeah. something more well, interesting. I think that's interesting. <laughs> something about your approach, little light bulb in Ray's head. So he had many people approaching him, asking him to, to work on things or, or or various other projects, and he would usually politely decline because he had long since retired. But something about the approach that you guys had, the ideas that you had, and the way that you worked must have appealed to Ray. And he thought, well, these guys could actually wow. complete the, the film after, after you know, 50 years. It's That's so, an amazing it's so odd. honor. Yeah, because I can't think of what Ray would have seen in us that would have given him the the confidence to say yes. Yeah, yeah, it's weird because like, our did, energy. I mean, we had the we definitely had the enthusiasm. There, there was definitely the enthusiasm there, just because we felt like the, what a perfect way to say thanks for inspiring us to do what we do. Um, but yeah, it's like in terms res- of our animation skills, it's like it. it well, I think he's one of the things that I remember talking to him about was the challenge of trying to because everyone's um, animation. Is, is, is like their signature, their trademark, and, and it's really hard because you have your when you're animating, you're going with your gut on your on that performance, but it's really it was a special challenge to try to think, not the way you would normally just do that performance or just try to think like how would Ray Harryhausen do this? And after having watched and internalized all those films so much, it was a really cool and super intimidating challenge to try to to go through the acting but it was great because we could actually we, we would have lengthy meetings um, with sandwiches and coffee and all that stuff and, and act out everything um, so I mean we actually had a good um, sort of basis uh, not only from the work he had done before but just he still he still had that childlike sense did, of everything always, all yeah. the way up to the end you know so um, him acting out a scene in 2000 or 2001 is pretty much the same process he would have gone through <laughs> back in the 50s. But Vanessa, this is a, a good point to bring you in because you were back in the UK at the time, obviously. What was your perspective on this when your dad had taken on this project <laughs> at, at that, that stage in his life? And um, how did you judge his reaction to, to how things were going with this new version of the tortoise in the hair? He was very um, enthusiastic all the time <laughs> about it. And uh, certainly at the end, he kept saying to me, when we were watching it, you can't tell, you can't tell where it starts and, it, <laughs> and, and the old the old one is, you know, it's mm. wonderful, it's really good. So, oh, cool. That's such um, a compliment. You couldn't get more of a compliment than that. Oh and he gosh. was genuine about it and every time we saw it, it was a genuine, like the first time. That's great. Wow, man. So That's thank great. you guys very, very much. Thank oh, you. Yeah, I mean, thank you. For thank, <laughs> I mean, we, it's, it's, you, they always say that you know, never work with the people that you idolize because you'll be disappointed. Mm-hmm. And we were never, ever disappointed with Ray. He was really the nicest and, and the funniest and the wittiest, you know, person that we, we had worked with. And, and he listened to what we had to say and he would just sort of like think about it and then just, you know, either agree or disagree. And he wasn't afraid to hold back. And, it, you know, his, his, you know, I'm sure you've heard this from many people, but his enthusiasm and his imagination were very infectious, mm-hmm. and so um, that really motivated us. And so we truly, truly wanted to make sure that he was happy with it. And of course, there's a personal gain from it as well mm-hmm. that we get to work with his legend. Mm-hmm. But um, but we really did want to make sure, first and foremost, that 
he was happy that he got the top billing for it, that he got everything. And you're just sort of like these guys that are thanking him for giving us so many years of enjoyment of, you know, inspiration and watching these great films and all this stuff. And so it really did mean a lot to us. Mm That we got to work on this, and it's still hard to believe. Like even to this day, we're like, "What did we? We worked we on that. To, we can't uh-huh. believe we got to do this. We got to, you know, Ray Harryhausen got to come over to our garage and actually animated shots in our garage. It's funny. I, I wish we should shoot. Actually, we have so many photos from the time that I'm assuming you guys probably have, but we should Ma- make sure do you we do. Have them? Yeah. Quite a lot. Do you have the photos oh, okay, of Ray whipping us? Oh, I don't think I've seen those. Excuse me? We took a... We did some photo... We did a little, like, just Richard and and us, and we just took some photos because we had just finished... Like, Ray shot the last shot of Taurus and the Hair. Uh Uh-huh. And and they came back to watch the dailies and stuff, and we were just taking photos and stuff. And we're like, Ray, like, we're always just smiling and stuff like that. Why don't we just do one where we're trying to be funny? He's like... Hobo for act like I whip you guys. Oh, <laughs> he, like, he grabs the stick and he's like this. Just, and we're like, no. He strikes the perfect rage oh, pose. No. Oh, and we're cowering underneath, like, no. That was I the don't best think thing. We've seen that. That's no, I funny. think I would remember. Oh, that. the yeah. 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 Oh, okay. <laughs> so quite any typical picture of, of yeah. Ray. Um, yeah. Just on, on that, on the, on, on the fact that Ray did animate a, a short sequence of the film, was that something that was agreed from the outset or was that something that was decided upon later uh, as the project developed. I feel like it was decided later, right? Because we You're always were really encouraging him to do it. We'd sort of hint yeah. at it, but we knew it wasn't the kind of thing where you could just throw it out there casually, you know? We, we, we would kind of like say like, well maybe at some point you could do a shot because it would be just cool, that would kind of like tie the whole thing together and he was like, oh we'll see. But um, your mother, <laughs> Diana, was uh-huh. she was the one she was there the whole time, and she's like, oh, you know he wants to do it. Very okay. <laughs> <laughs> dry. Course, and yeah. Of course he's going to do it. And she's like, no, he's doing it. He's doing it. Uh, oh. um, it's very sweet. And very seldomly in the previous 20 years before that, had Ray actually animated or, or, or been, been near a model, so that... Did that he just take to like a, a duck to war? Right yeah, oh, he, jumped, he jumped right back in. Yeah. It was really cool to see. But he did shoo us out of the stage when it was time to shoot. You know, we got him all prepared. But, you know, he had to concentrate. Um, so we just were like, yep, if you need us, we'll be in the other room. And it was funny because we were just letting him animate. And then we're just kind of like outside going, man, this is really surreal. <laughs> but we, we did get to see a little bit of him animating. Yeah. Just we he asked us, we had to do something for him. And, and so we peeked in really fast. And he was just, too bad you guys can't see this, but he was just going so fast. He was like, Emmy, take a frame. Emmy, take a frame. And he was just, it was almost like an exercise video. He was going so fast <laughs> with such confidence. He took, I, I remember the first shot he took, he took that pencil and he just drew a little dot on the back of the hair's head. Mm-hmm. And you'll probably, it's probably still there if you look for it. Yep. And he just went for it. And that, that, that was a little gauge point. The gauge point oh for the service God. gauge. And he just did it. Yeah, so he just yeah. had his little pencil mark. Yeah. And that's all he needed. You know, he didn't use any frame reference or anything. He just and had a little gauge. The next day, um, he was so, like three hours later, he came out. And eight seconds in three hours, <laughs> which is amazing. And the next day, we showed him the the dailies and he just sat I just told you guys before but he sat very comfortably in one of our chairs and we projected it on a 16 millimeter print on the wall and he's like oh that's pretty good play it again <laughs> play it again and we just rewound played Kept again looping and, it, looping and it. He, he was very, very proud and pleased with it and we were too because yeah, we were blown away that must have been fun was. yeah that must have been fun for him having like you said not I assumed he must have done some kind of animation yeah, no. here and there, but but no, I mean he was knowledge. he was retired and he was traveling and stuff like that, so he wasn't animating. But um, so that must have been pretty fun for him to see new animation yeah. that he had done after that long. I mean, I can't imagine that. It must have been really cool. Yeah. He did look very pleased that day. It was yeah. it was fun. Very happy. Um, no, and then and then he's like, okay, when shall I come back? 
<laughs> yeah, then he came back and he did more shots. That's yeah. a really cool thing because he kind of yeah. got bitten by the bug again. Oh, so we expected like maybe we'd be lucky if he did this one shot, but I think he ended up doing it by, like four shots. Four shots, yeah. Yeah. But that's an cool. obvious thing, I suppose. It, it, it seems like an obvious thing to say, but Ray enjoyed animating. Of course. That, you know, that's a passion. Yeah, so that for was... you guys to give him that opportunity yeah. to come back and do yeah. it for, for a few days and, and do a few shots in this. Yeah, yeah it was really cool. It must have been a real thrill. It, it was, and it, it gave us such an insight on... on his like thought process of animation as well like when he would you know when when you're about to animate you think about your shot and what kind of acting you're going to do with it and how you're going to move the character and stuff and we would watch all of his films and and sometimes we'd step frame through each one and a lot of people had theories that he had a formula and stuff of how he animated and we're like no way he was an actor inside and out. Like mm-hmm. he, you could have put him in a film or on <laughs> stage or behind the camera, and he could act. And we would see these movements that he would do. Like one in particular was the Cyclops, right? Yeah. Some voyage, where he would take the tree trunk and like smash those guys down and so. But he had to follow the movement of the of the humans running around, and so he had to like really stretch those those limbs on that character, you know. Yeah. And if you were to play it back it would feel like oh that's not natural but when you see it all played back it's totally natural well it is funny because yeah some of the increments don't really make total 100% sense if you're say like step framing through like that pose doesn't necessarily naturally lead to this pose but then the overall effect of that performance it's it's one of those weird esoteric animation organic for you 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 very organic mathematically yeah it's like it's it's really yeah, it's it's really not this mathematical thing. It's just his burst of creativity. That's why, that's the thing. Ray's an, a singular artist, you know, like um, that imagination just bursting off the screen like that. Um, but it, it wasn't so calculated, you know. He had to just kind of let it let it flow out. Yeah. Um, so that to me, that was one of the things that I felt like I learned while we were doing that project is is just like. Don't get bogged down in the technical stuff. Just let the performance yeah, move yeah. burst out there and be forward. dynamic. Yeah. Um, and don't ever measure anything. You know, like, <laughs> you just got to let it flow. Because then when you start measuring, that's when it, you can kind of like lose the life really fast. His, his homework assignment to us while we were, you know, doing our restoration work and our practicing our animation style was to watch. He 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 made us watch, which was no problem to us. Was, all the Hal Roach comedies, specifically Bob mm-hmm. Hardy and oh, Jeff, Charlie Chase, yeah, yeah, and and, and um, we were already all into that stuff. We were so I think we anyway, bonded so. over that that stuff definitely. Yeah. And we <laughs> didn't we get and then at that time did we give him a little VHS copy of the Charlie Chase shorts? Or mm, the yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, the Thelma Todd and Charlie Chase. Those were other Hal Roach comedies yeah. that he hadn't seen in a long time, and we had somewhere. I think it probably at Eddie Brandt's. We probably picked those up. Yeah. So there's a little little. Little hearty moments, I think, in the tortoise and hair that we tried to do. It's like method animation where you're yeah. putting yourselves in the mindset of the late 1940s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yep. a, a, another f- cool little thing that we would do with Ray is when we were going in into um, post production and we had finished all the shots, Ray came back, back down and we would spend hours and hours and hours editing. He would just sit very comfortably on the couch and Shay would be sick cat. With with my cat, <laughs> like cat would just lay on him, and then and then Shay would be on the on the computer, and we'd have the screen right there, and Ray would direct us for the animation, and um, and he wasn't afraid to cut stuff out, you know, and and you know I remember there's one shot where I did with the with the with the hair kind of like playing around with the gate before he opens it, where he's like cut that out, we don't need it. <laughs> I'm like really. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was right in saying that because he was keeping um, keeping in mind the, the pacing of the whole piece and everything. And um, pretty, it, it was it was very smart of him to do that. And I think there's a couple of takes that haven't seen the light of day yet because of that reason. 
We should, yeah, we should, we should transfer all that stuff. Yeah, we should be, transfer yeah. all the outtakes. Wonderful yeah, to see. Yeah. The outtakes would be very interesting, given yeah. everything that you've just said. <laughs> now, one of the projects, you guys are obviously incredibly busy just now, so we won't take up too much of your time because <laughs> you're working on a, a major project yourself. One of the things we're working on at the foundation at the minute is looking into to Ray Harryhausen's Lost movies. So, so projects that Ray had, had, had to come up with or had pitched, which never saw the light of day for various reasons. Mm-hmm. And the Tortoise and the Hare would have been one of these if you guys hadn't <laughs> stepped in. It would have been incomplete. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned before that there was potential for, for further Lost Treasures to, to be animated by you guys uh, we, following on from this project. Yeah, that that we got it. I, it was just at the heels of wrapping Tortoise and the Hare. We had had our screening at the Egyptian, and everybody was very excited. And, and um, Richard Jones, who helped put this all together with us, had suggested, like, maybe you guys should do another one. And <laughs> we're like, well, sure, why not? And so, so Richard couched the idea to to Ray, and and um, the idea of doing Baron Munchausen came up. And the next time Ray came into town, he had the artwork that he showed us and stuff, and. I went crazy because I really love that story of Baron Munchausen. It's such a great story, and um, I, I love the Terry Gilliam film mm-hmm. so much. And, mm-hmm. and um, we're like, yes, 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 that would be so nice. And we had gone back and forth a little bit and stuff, but um, unfortunately, it never really made the light of day. It um, would have been so much fun to have done it. But one of the items which, which Vanessa uncovered in, in Ray's gallery in Los Angeles was the Moon Man from the Baron Munchausen really? test footage that Ray yes. shot. Oh, and wow. it, um, you, you may well know this, but the test footage was, was Ray's early experiment in having a, a stop motion character speak. So when you look at mm-hmm. this model, there's only the levers in the back, yeah. and the mouth moving. That, yeah, and I, I think that. you realised quite soon that it was going to be far too, too complex to, yeah. to, to do that in a, in a yeah. stop motion film. But we have the <laughs> test footage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, would, would that be something that you guys would even comprehend doing, having having the Moon Man speak and, and sinking? Is it possible as, as professional animators? To it's do? possible. It just depends on how many resources you have mm. to, de- to devote to it, you know? Like, you can do anything. It, right. As an artist, if you've got all this time, then you can make things happen. Um, even doing Baron Munchausen again would be wonderful. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I've always watched that. Yeah. 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 That's something to think that about. So yeah. It is one that we have <laughs> lots of storyboards for because I think in Ray's yeah. early days, around the time actually of, of the sort of just before the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, Ray was putting so many different ideas together yeah. because he wanted to have a lot of uh, sort of fi- irons in the fire just yeah. in case one yeah. project didn't work to, out. Yeah. So there was a, there's a lot of wonderful storyboards and quite unusually there's oil paintings as well for Baron hmm. Munchausen. Oh, yeah. Ray didn't yeah. make too many oh, oil paintings yeah. in his lifetime, but there's these lovely oil paintings of yeah. Baron Munchausen. I feel like he showed us those. And, uh, yeah, they're really striking. I think he took some too. photos. The one, is, it, is there one of like a really big moon? Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. The one of him escaping on the bike with yeah. some sort of vulture, yeah. two-headed yeah. vulture, yeah. Which, which obviously was incorporated into uh, into Seventh Voyage of Simba right. and in, in right. a way it was adapted mm-hmm. um, but no that is really fascinating to hear that that was potentially uh, well it was something that, that Ray was interested in if, if nothing else as, mm-hmm. as you guys perhaps following up on a on a Baron Munchausen how fun would that be but in a way it's kind of cool that there's just this one little artifact of that collaboration and that yeah. kind of keeps it special yeah, in a sure. way. You well, know, what like you guys did is very, very special, and it's such a lovely story, and it's such a kind mm-hmm. of unique uh, interlude in, in Ray's later life to, to, to have done this project with you. Thank and you. it's Thanks. now part of, of, of Ray's history and the Foundation's collection, of course, because we have all of these models that you worked with and all of these <laughs> great photography and, a, and oh, cool. other things related to the film. I, I cool. remember during um, Ray's 90th, um, we were so... Th- you know, so honored to have been invited to go to that, and um, we were talking with Randy Cook. I don't know if you were there with me, but Randy's like, you know, that's such a great thing that you guys did for Ray and stuff. <laughs> and you know, coming from Randy Cook, I'm like, he's like wow. another one of our yeah, heroes. he's another one of our heroes. <laughs> and I'm like, and even now, like, we'll sometimes run into Randy in LA, whatever, like at a movie theater, like. Okay. And I still feel a little like kind of like it's Randy Cook, you know, kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. you know, because. He's such a cool guy. He's easy going and stuff. And, and he was definitely one of the people that took along with Dave Allen and Jim Danforth that kind yeah. of transition. The they were the next generation yeah. right after Ray. So it's just cool to have known. I feel like we, while we have 
we've known so many people the history of our art form that we chose to <laughs> devote yeah, our it, lives to it's such a small it's, it is such a small history that you really it's not a big effort to look back at the entire scope of it all and, and know about all of it and stuff and that that's always cool to, to no, learn about well, it. Our, our knowledge of being passionate about stop motion animation, obviously. Like you were saying, you can kind of, it's a, it's a digestible sort of body of work yeah. over the years that um, I just feel like that's what keeps us going is, right. is looking at what had been done and how we can just either like take new technology and do the same techniques but bring them sort of updated into the 21st century but right. still keeping one foot in the traditional. Um, the tradition of it. Um, I mean, just getting involved with Ray doing this project gave me just this extra level of appreciation for the history of the forum right, and everything. Right. And so, he knew he knew stop motion history as well. Like he knew. Uh, yeah, he like he knew about Ladislaus Starevich and, and, and Alexander Petushko and, and Trinka and all the the old greats. Like, yeah, he knew all about. He those. knew all about them. Um, yeah. No, you guys just, screen novels here now carrying on the tradition for, for a new generation. We're trying. Really be we're, we're trying. I mean, trying we, we just love doing what we do. And, and you know, we're we are just very fortunate at this day and age that you can do this kind of thing. Because back at the time of, of Ray, there was like less than six people doing it in the world. <laughs> you know, and, and because it's, it was a, like one of the most difficult mediums to do, if not the most difficult. You know, it wasn't just manipulating a creature in a, with an armature, it was also figuring out how you're going to do the special effect and how you're going to, you know, how is that how is that inside of that lava going to come out of the Talos's heel and stuff like that. And it's not like he had a lot of... Went along, yeah, it's know? not like he had a lot of time to figure those things out either, you mm -hmm. know, they were they weren't like super lavish budgets or anything yeah. back then, so... And this time it's like we have the benefit of learning from our masters who how they did all this, and, and we can incorporate that into what we do, you know, and if we come up with an original idea, I'm sure that somebody else did it before us, so, <laughs> you know. Well, Mark and Seamus, that's been wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your Thank you. It's, yeah. it's an honor to be, today. It's an it's honor to be our, part of this podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. It's, it, it, and like, like I said before, it's like, you know, working with Ray has has been the highlight of our careers, and <laughs> nothing really will ever ever top that. I don't care what people yep. say; it's it's yep. that's it. And I kind of feel like it's downhill. From there. <laughs> <laughs> where where do you go from there? Well, yeah, sure, where Vanessa do you get will agree, but I think Ray would have been delighted to see everything Absolutely. here as well. Thank you. Tell him what we've seen has been fabulous. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Continue to do really well. It means Thanks. a lot that you guys were here and that you were here and, oh. and that you approved of, of us working on this <laughs> I think, you know, listening to Mark and Seamus there, I think Ray saw part of himself there. I think he, he could see himself and his enthusiasm reflected in their enthusiasm for the project. So I think they're more like Ray Harryhausen than, uh, than the guys probably realise. And that's probably the, the secret well, to why Ray worked with them. I think they were delighted to hear that from, from Vanessa because she obviously remembers the other side of that project, which is her father coming home and, uh, you know, buzzing, enthusiastic about what, what had been going on in, in Los Angeles. And he was, you know, he was delighted by everything that happened with that project. And it's just a, a lovely story. Um, and yes, a, a real, really great to, to hear Mark and Seamus uh, speaking there about uh, the story of the tortoise and the hare, and a, a lost film which uh, eventually came to be completed. Now, splendid. Now, we've got a couple of special events around this. If you want to tell us about the first one, please, Connor. So, the book, Ray Harryhausen, The Lost Movies, will be released on September the 10th, and a few days after that, on September the 15th, there will be a signing session at Forbidden Planet's London Megastore, and author... Uh, and podcast co-host John Walsh will be signing copies of this brand new book from 1 till 2pm. Uh, so this will be your opportunity to, to get a copy of the book, a first edition, uh, and, and to meet John and, and ask, uh, ask John any questions of your own about, uh, about the research that went into this um, incredible new piece of work. So, so John, you, you must be looking forward to, to seeing the book on the shelves and, uh, and people getting their, their hands on a copy of the Lost Movies book. 
No, definitely. I mean, I'm a big fan of queuing for signings. And I remember queuing to have copies of different books, including by Ray Harryhausen signed over the years at Forbidden Planets. So, you know, it was the place where if I had some money to spend and if I was allowed to go into central London on my own, I would make my way to Forbidden Planets, whether it was when it was in Denmark Street or in New Oxford Street or now in its glorious corner um, plots there at the uh, end of Shaftesbury Avenue in its megastore. Um, it's just, it's a real mecca for fanboys and fangirls. So thrilling to go there anyway. To have my own book signing there is actually incredibly thrilling. So, you know, I've had different screenings over the years. I've had films in cinemas. I've been nominated and won awards at different prestigious ceremonies. But having a signing at Forbidden Planet, anyone who goes to Forbidden Planet, they'll know that that really is a is a kind of a, a key touchstone moment. So very excited about that. So after the signing, a very special screening of the 4K premiere of The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. And that will take place at Regent Street Cinema on Regent Street uh, in the afternoon at 3pm. Now, as I say, it's the 4K premiere of the fully restored version. Picture brighter and more detailed than ever before. And beautiful 5.1 stereo sound. So after that screening, there's going to be a special presentation where we're going to be talking more about the Lost Movies book, revealing some of the images and exclusively some of the test footage as well. Um, We've prepared a, a trailer online which if you log on to um, Facebook and the Twitter feed, you can see we cut that together and it includes some highlights from the book and a little taste of what you can expect from the test footage. But um, it should be an interesting event, Connor. We're all going to be there. Yes, I think if you want to come along again and uh, after after you've got your copy of the book at Forbidden Planet, come, come and watch one of Ray Harryhausen's most beloved movies, The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, which is, uh, which is definitely a fan favourite and you'll be seeing it in a crisp, bright colour with fantastic sound, and you'll you'll have the opportunity to 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 see a presentation and Q and A from John. Uh, there'll be some special guests there. There'll be you know lots of people who contributed to the book will be be coming along to to see the film and and see John's presentation. And it is always great for for us to celebrate these landmark moments with the foundation. Um, you know, we, we, we all are in different parts of the country, so to get together and uh, and raise a glass to raise Harryhausen's uh, legacy, it, it's always a, a good thing to do. So so please come along on the uh, on the 15th of September because it's going to be a day to, to celebrate the launch of the new book and Ray Harryhausen's legacy in general. And we'll be there to answer your questions. So I'll be there, you'll be there, Connor. And I'm very pleased to say Ray Harryhausen's daughter and fellow trustee member Vanessa will be there. And uh, I'm rather keen that we get maybe Vanessa on stage as well so that she can discuss her her memories of the lost movies. Yes, again, Vanessa has a, a very different perspective on a, on a lot of these things, but but she does have memories of, of these projects that, that her father worked upon, particularly in the 1980s, uh, projects such as People of the Mist, which, uh, which again never quite came to fruition, but for which we have some wonderful artwork and, and even models from. And people want to know what's the most surprising. It wouldn't surprise you perhaps there were unmade Sinbad. It may not surprise you there were unmade dinosaur films. It will surprise you if you don't know this. Ray turned down the very first Marvels movie. That's in the book. You'll have to buy the book to find out more. Um, we'll do a bit of research. But uh, we're going to finish now, as we should, by hearing a final thought from Ray Harryhausen himself. So thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. There were a number of other stories I wanted to develop, but few of them came to the production stage. Computer animation today seems to dominate the field of entertainment, but I still believe there is room for every known technique depending on the type of tale to be told. After all, the main reason for putting anything on the silver screen is to entertain. The method used in this process is always secondary to a good, comprehensive visual story. Copyright in the Ray Harryhausen podcast is owned by the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation, a registered Scottish charity, number SC001419, 2019. This recording may not be reproduced in whole or in parts without written permission from the Foundation. The views expressed within these podcasts do not necessarily reflect those of the Foundation, its trustees or employees. For further terms and conditions, please contact us at rayharryhausen.com 
where you can find our Facebook and Twitter links.